Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Alex may be a lot of things, but shy isn't one of them. This is the Roy Green Show with special guest host Alex Pearson on the Chorus Radio Network. Sunday afternoon and uh, not the happiest chat to have, but it is, I think, an important conversation. And I'm sure some of you will want to weigh in on this, and I welcome that. Uh, 416-870-6400 or star 640 on your cell, of course. Toll free, 1-888-225-TALK. But I want to ask the question, those with mental illness, should they be eligible for doctor-assisted suicide? Or is this the start of what I call a slippery slope? Um, Right now, under current legislation that went through, I think it was past June, only those 19 and older who have end-of-life illnesses, I think, Lou Gehrig's would be one, can get legally, get access to doctor-assisted death. But what happens if you have, you know, a number of debilitating and painful mental illnesses that are unbearable? Should you then have access to doctor-assisted death? A 26-year-old Windsor man says yes, and he has joined uh, Charter Challengers thinking about it to strike down the current law, saying it is just simply too restrictive. So what is the balance here? Do we help those suffering with things like mental illness or protect those who we would maybe call vulnerable? For my next guest, it is going to happen either way because he's going to refuse living with this pain. His name, Adam Meyer Clayton, and he joins us out of Windsor. Good to have you, sir. Hi, how are you? I'm good. Thank you for uh, having this conversation, which I think makes some people uncomfortable, but I think, you know, it's it's out there. We've got doctor-assisted suicide in this country, so we may as well have this conversation. But I want you to explain to me, because you say you have several mental illnesses, What do you ha- what do you have? What kind of symptoms? What's your day like? Okay. So my formal diagnoses are uh, major depressive disorder, generalized anxiety disorder, obsessive compulsive disorder, depersonalization disorder, and then all of that kind, all of that concoction synergistically works to generate an incredibly aggressive amount of what is known as psychogenic or somatoform pain. So for those who don't know the intricacies of those illnesses, major depression isn't something where you just kind of have negative thoughts or like something bad in your life happens and you're sad for a week or a few months or whatever. It is something that can be neurobiologically built into your brain and your entire life is going to be very sad, whether you like it or not. 
And unfortunately, I am one of those people. And looking back at the history of my life, and the more I say the DSM, which is the uh, the big, large book that psychiatrists and mental health practitioners use to diagnose patients, I started realizing, hey, so when I was 15 and 16 years old, and I, I didn't have this full-blown depression, but I had this kind of like more moderate depression, more lax depression. That's actually called anhedonia. And I've been experiencing that since I was 15 or 16. So today, how I live pretty much, to give some general context, is knowing I had this interview at 3.30, I haven't actually spoken more than about 10 minutes throughout the past four hours. And the reason being is because if I had chosen to talk and be kind of a normal person, talk with my friends, my family, maybe talk about the Blue Jays-Red Sox game or whatever is going on geopolitically, the pain would grow and grow and grow and grow so bad to the point that I probably wouldn't have been able to speak with you at all. The pain, I live in chronic pain, and the pain as covered in my YouTube channel for those who want a more in-depth understanding of of my actual medical condition, because you're surely not going to understand it completely over 15 minutes, But what happens is, in short, cognition, a.k.a. brain activity, causes pain to pulsate and stimulate my body. So my body, anytime I have to read something or talk to someone such as yourself or go to a doctor's appointment, etc., this little 15-minute conversation with you is going to blast me with very aggressive pain for about two, two and a half hours later after this interview, I'm actually going to go to the gym just to kind of get through that time as fast as possible. So I live in chronic physical pain. It's characterized as a mental illness because there isn't what's known as an identifiable pathology, which means if I show up at a doctor's, they're going to say, well, he seems okay. He seems but it's okay. in his head. They'll say it's in his head. You don't show physical Exactly. And they'll say, hey, you know, it's psychosomatic, Mm -hmm. which typically means it's in his head. But the point is, right now there's just this kind of issue within the, the uh, the medical field where we're starting to realize that not all of these patients are in their own heads. Surely some of them are. For example, there are people who obsess about, like, if they feel like a small little psychosomatic pain in their head, they'll obsess on it over and over until they truly believe they have a brain tumor. That's very common in health anxiety. And psychosomatic pain to that level exists. But there are other people such as myself. I don't obsess about anything. I could care less about any of these idiotic little obsessions. I've done so much therapy. I understand all of these things. It's not, I'm not in my own head. This is an organic illness that we simply don't understand. Are there any medications? Is there any kind of treatment that you do get that makes it livable or, or, or something that you can live with? Livable? Absolutely not. As soon as I wake up in the day, I take, um, I won't talk about the dosages because they don't really matter at this point, but I take gabapentin, I take uh, benzodiazepine called Ativan, I take an SSRI called, 
acetylopram, which is branded as Lexapro, and then I'm also on something called Tegretol or Carbamazepine. The people listening are probably like, hmm, that sounds like a lot of stuff. It's, I think it's as soon as I wake up, it's nine, nine pharmaceutical pills as soon as I wake up. And what I will say is those nine pills took me out of a state where I literally was bedridden. I couldn't move. My depression was so bad. I had something called psychomotor retardation, which means you actually can't like move and control your own body. You're literally bedridden. I was bedridden for months and months. I can now get to the gym, get to the bank. But in terms of, has it helped me in terms of pain mitigation? I'd say it's helped a whopping 4 to 6% cumulatively. So you're 26. You don't really live. You just kind of exist. Absolutely. That's exactly how I'd characterize it. Yeah. And so you look at it and you say, I would rather die and that you will die instead of living like, like you are, existing. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I, I couldn't be more confident and forward about it. I mean, I have, frankly, the reason I've been pushing for more media uh, or to get a better profile by the media is because this is a serious thing. A lot of people have been seeing my material, reaching out to me, asking what they can do, etc. This is an issue that's only going to grow and grow as, you know, modern society advances and we get further in time. And like I like anything in history, I mean, it's best to tackle these things as early on as possible, in my opinion. Are you a, are you in in a I don't know how to word this without being trite, but are you unique in this, or are there many others that suffer these kinds of mental illnesses? I mean, I I know that there are a lot of people that have mental illnesses, but are you in a unique category? Absolutely, I would say the the. The way I phrase it is I am a, a very exotic case. I have dealt with what you need to understand is, and I'm sure the listeners listening are thinking, hmm, you know, this guy sounds kind of like normalish in, in the way in which he articulates himself. You need to understand that before all, before, like, I have had anxiety and issues since I was five but it was what most people would call manageable. Before it hit that level where it was like, oh my lord, this is insane, you need to understand I was a straight-A student. I had very, very large ambitions. I was a uh, very, very social person, nightclub bartender in a, in a you know, university fraternity. I guess you could say the definition of, of social normalcy. And when I realized my life was in complete jeopardy, being the academic that I am, I did so much research. I went across all the boards, depersonalizationselfhelp.com. I went through Reddit subreddits. I went through Psych Zone, Anxiety Zone, Psych Central, all these all these web forums to see who had similar things. And I found a very very rare few of cases who people who had symptoms in terms of the somatoform pain that were as debilitating as mine but i mean very few in cases of like literally thousands and i've I've spoken directly with literally thousands of people across these forums when i go to the support groups that are localized such as you know the the groups like the ocd group in ottawa that i used to go to or the some of the things i've done in windsor no one can even relate to the magnitude of the physical symptoms I endure. It's literally perpetual torture. I don't, 
despite what a psychiatrist may want to say, they might want to categorize me as a psychiatric case. I feel that it's really more physical than I understand. There's a psychiatric. There's a what I say is it's neurobiological. It's my brain causing this, and I look at it as an organic physical illness. We're talking to Adam Meyer Clayton out of Windsor, Ontario, who has several mental illnesses, as you've been hearing. I'm going to ask you a question after the break, uh, because I think a lot of people would be very uncomfortable um, opening the door to doctor-assisted suicide. But Mr. Clayton says he will take his own life because he doesn't want to exist if he can't live. But I will talk about this slippery slope. If we open the door to Adam Clayton, what does this mean moving forward to others who are in a vulnerable position? like he is. Stay with us for this conversation. I'm Alex Pearson. You're listening to The Roy Green Show here on the Chorus Radio Network. We're having an important discussion, one that I think makes a few people, probably many people, including myself, very uncomfortable. But I'm speaking with Adam Meyer Clayton, a 26-year-old out of Windsor, who has several severe mental illnesses. I didn't understand how severe until, of course, I spoke with you, Adam, but I'm getting a full picture of it. But let me let me bring this up as I did before the break, because I think there are people that will be very uncomfortable. While I'm okay with people choosing how they want to die, I think I'm very uncomfortable when it comes to those with vulnerabilities like a mental illness or children. That's where I think a lot of people draw the line. But then I would hear a case like yours, and I think, okay. You know, you see, I think people are torn, but... It becomes a slippery slope where if Adam Clayton is able to get doctor-assisted suicide, it opens the door to maybe others, and and it could get taken advantage of. What would you say back to that? I mean, it's typical fear-mongering. I mean, people such as myself, um, it's what I noted in The Globe, actually, The Globe article way back in May, and I'm not advocating that anyone with any sort of... So what you need to understand about mental illness and and things like that, or well, mental illness specifically, is it's very spectrumized. So, you know, obviously I'm at the pretty much peak of the spectrum in terms of severity. Then you have mental illnesses that are diagnosable, but people hold three jobs and have kids and, and a golden retriever, and their life is very good overall, despite having that diagnosis. Um, people who are on my side of the fence, me specifically, are only looking to have this offered and available to people in my case. Mm-hmm. So people who are suffering severely, who have tried many, many treatments for periods of time. I mean, I've been medicated since 16, mm-hmm. and things have only gotten infinitely worse. So, we're, I mean, if we put it all on a... On a on a stock chart, it would be rather obvious what's going on, and it would make a lot of sense. So, I don't. I never really understood the uh, the slippery slope debate. It's not like we're giving blanket access to people with with any sort of a psychological issue. And um, what I also wanted to say, excuse me, was that um, I mean, just because. Adam can, or let's say Adam hypothetically got it. Look at the process. Look at how long it would actually take. I mean, if I 
hypothetically went through with this with this case to challenge the federal government, it's going to take a very long, long time. So what what is your timeline, Adam? I mean, you've said that if you can't get this through a doctor, you will do it yourself. What is your timeline? How much longer can you live like this? Um, that's something that I'm really going to have to, to, to feel out. It's something I'm going to have to speak with my legal counsel about. Um, I don't know if I'm going to be able to sustain this for a long enough period that would allow all of the court process and proceedings to go ahead without me and I obviously wouldn't want to waste anybody's time so that's something that's going to need to be uh, decided upon but you're prepared uh, to do it yourself if, if you can't get yeah that I'm absolutely I'm absolutely prepared uh, and I always say this just because frankly after that Toronto Star front page article came out cops were at my door the next day I don't know who the brainiac was who called them because I'm surely in no imminent danger. And I'll say that again, I'm in no imminent danger to myself uh, at this moment in time. But yes, absolutely. If, uh, if I continuously suffer and keep in mind, we're still doing treatments. I mean, the next thing on the list, I have a uh, consultation coming up for ketamine infusions, which is a very, very, very experimental procedure. And, um, you know, we'll see where treatment goes and if it can maybe not cure me, but get me to a point where I'd be able to entertain everything necessary within the le- legal proceedings, I think that would be fantastic because mm-hmm. this this is a cause, I'll say it very bluntly, my side of the fence is going to win. This is going to change. And I'll say it in advance and people may be thinking, well, how can you be so sure? Well, all you need to do is read everything that anyone who is a constitutional lawyer, especially the major constitutional lawyers and, and what the, the Bar Association, everyone in the legal world has said. Mm-hmm. Uh, whether the, the federal government is trying to usurp that decision, and we know that, and really what they're just trying to do is kill time. They're, the, federal, the liberal majority federal government is concerned that uh, if they do this very quickly, it's going to cause a vote loss because obviously there's religious implications, there's all these these voting implications, and frankly, that's what all this is about. Adam, I uh, I've been fascinated uh, by what you've told me, and and I thank you so much for joining us and being really honest about this. And I will of course keep in touch and follow and hope that this new experimental uh, procedure works. Thank you so much. No problem. Have a fantastic day. That is Adam Meyer Clayton, a 26 year old, and. Uh, you know, it's not it's not a black and white issue. It's just not because you listen to him and obviously he is suffering greatly. And uh, you just hope that experimental medicine does some help because it would be a real shame to lose someone that young. I'm Alex Pearson. You're listening to The Roy Green Show here on the Chorus Radio Network.